Hi, I'm Shelly. And I'm Maria. And you're listening to the Baby Pro Podcast, where we talk about everything and anything related to pregnancy and through the first year of your child's life. Every episode, we will discuss and interview experts on all the answers to the questions expectant and new parents want to know, such as creating the perfect birth plan, infant sleep, and tips and tricks for parenting a newborn. And welcome to the show. Hi, Maria. Hey, Shelly. How are you? I'm good. You had um, jujitsu tonight? No, we didn't go. We just use the kids, the kids' class usually on Thursdays, uh, but we didn't go today because I failed to put the clothes in the dryer, so our keys were all wet, and I didn't realize that until about fifteen minutes before we had to leave. So, way to go, Maria. Morgan didn't seem all that terribly upset about it. It was fine. Sometimes Brooke and I like that when we got when we have like a CrossFit class, and I'll be like, "You're going, right?" And she'd be like, "Well, are you going?" And then I'm like, "Well, are you going?" Because neither of us wants to be the one to say that we don't want to go, but we're waiting for the other person to say. Yeah, yeah. We're pretty good at like Morgan is more apt to say that she doesn't want to go than she will. I do have to kind of force her more times, but. I'm often okay with being like, you know, just not feeling it tonight. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you just don't feel it. I wish I did. Just don't have that energy. Our guests this week are Carly Fleming and Megan Glowinski from fourth trimester. And they are going to be talking to us about tandem feeding. Mm -hmm. Woo. A lot of work. Yeah. (laughs) But very rewarding. It's very rewarding. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But. First, have you heard about the new study that vitamin D supplementation during pregnancy may protect babies from eczema in the first year of life? That's pretty interesting. And I wonder, like, are they talking, They're obviously they're talking like supplemental vitamin D, right? Yes. It says vitamin D supplements. Do they say how much? I don't know. Let me see. Because vitamin D doesn't accumulate, right? Your body can only use so much of it. Right. So they're saying over 400 IU a day. Hmm. Okay. Okay. I found the information. So the study included 1,134 women. Half the participants were randomly assigned to receive the supplement 1,000 IUs a day from 14 weeks gestation until delivery. And the other half were assigned to receive a placebo. Then they assessed... The babies for atopic eczema at 12, 24, and 48 months of life. But this is interesting. The study actually says among women who took vitamin D supplements during pregnancy and who breastfed for more than one month, the likelihood of eczema in babies first year was reduced. Interesting. But the headline doesn't mention that at all. So it's not just the vitamin D. It was also the first month of vitamin D breastfeeding. Yeah. Interesting. And then it says 636 infants, those who received the vitamin D had lower odd ratios of eczema than those mothers who received the placebo. The risk of atopic eczema at 12 months was reduced only for the children in the treatment group who were breastfed longer than one month. Hmm. Those who were breastfed for less than one month showed no reduced risk. This is very interesting. It's like, It feels very incomplete though. Like I have a lot of unanswered questions. (laughs) Well, I think I sent you the link so you can look at this study. (laughs) So vitamin D during pregnancy and if you can and want to breastfeed. Sounds like the longer the mom's breastfed, the more the protection was or the longer lasting the protection was. Let's do our question of the week. Um, so this week's question is, I'm returning to work soon. How many ounces to leave for my baby while I'm at work? Yep. So that is going to depend on how long you are away at work and how often your baby typically feeds during the day. Yeah. And, and the age of your baby too, but most people, at least in the U S the baby's about three months old. Yeah. So you could always take like one ounce per hour your way. Yeah, one ounce per hour that you're away. I was trying to do the complicated version of that. And then I decided that was better. Simplify, Maria, simplify. I know. (laughs) (laughs) Well, if they're taking on average 24 to 30 
three ounces a day, then you divide that by the number of feet. Like, no, what are you doing? That's too much math. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Especially this late. <laughs> Seriously. Why are we doing that to myself? Yeah. One ounce for every hour that you are away, including commute time. Yeah. So if you are having like a full eight hour workday, but you also have a commute like to and from your home, let's say that's combined an hour long commute, then you just have to remember that that's nine hours technically that you're away from the baby. Mm -hmm. Right. And if your last feeding with the baby is, you know, a couple hours before you drop the baby off. Right. You may have to count those hours too. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Depending on how much your baby Right. Though I don't know, whenever I dropped Morgan off at daycare, I would always breastfeed her like as soon as we got to daycare. Mm-hmm. I would always breastfeed. That was like the last thing I did before I walked out the door. Yeah. Because I had my, my aunt would come to my house and watch my kids. Yep. But uh, yeah, I would save it for the very last thing. Like I'd already have my shoes on, be ready to go, put the baby on. Yeah. It's like train the breast, baby. I gotta get yeah, right. <laughs> Breastfeed, breastfeed, breastfeed. Oh, hustle, hustle, hustle. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Yep. So that is a good rule of thumb to follow. And if you have a question you'd like to submit to us, you can do so through DM on Instagram at Shelly Tapped IBCLC. Next up, we will be speaking with Carly and Megan. This week, our guests are Carly Fleming and Megan Glowinski from Fourth Trimester Foundations. Carly and Megan are postpartum nurses, moms of littles, and dear friends who believe postpartum can be a time where parents feel prepared and supported. They care for parents and their babies as a couplet in one unit because parents are part of their babies and their babies are a part of them. They support parents through every stage of pregnancy and postpartum through community, education, and empowerment. They decided to take their passion for postpartum and make it a real and accessible thing for pregnant and postpartum people by establishing fourth trimester foundations. So this week we are speaking with Carly and Megan all about tandem feeding. They are from fourth trimester foundations and they provide education and information for parents. Welcome. Thank you for having us. Can you tell us a little bit about your, about you guys and what you do? Yeah, I am Carly and Megan is sitting next to me. We are postpartum nurses and we're newborn nurses and we're also moms of little toddlers that we love so much. We together started Fourth Trimester Foundations, like you said. It is a postpartum education and community focused passion project really is what it is. And we just wanted to take away a lot of the unknown and uncertainty during postpartum as experiencing it professionally as nurses and also personally as moms ourselves. So we, we knew there's more that can be done. So that's where we decided to fill in the gap. And how long have you guys been postpartum nurses? Together, I think we have probably almost a decade of postpartum nurse experience now. Yeah. Yeah. It's been about five years for each of each us. Of yeah. us yeah. Nice. And you said that you're working towards your IBCLC. I am. Yes. Yeah. Carly, I am a certified breastfeeding specialist currently. I don't know if that's really a credential that people like (laughs) that's big out there. I'm not really sure, but I am going to be taking my exam hopefully next year. I didn't know they only offer it two times a year. So that was like a big, I was like, Oh, I'll do it when I'm ready. I'm like, no, I guess I have to plan my studying around when the exam is going to be. Um, So definitely next year, not this year. I do not have time while I passed when the exam is going to be anyway. So um, next year, hopefully. Yeah. And then it takes like almost six months to get your results, yeah. which is a little ridiculous. Like what other healthcare professional has to wait six months to like yes. nursing, you know, in like 48 hours tops. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Although I feel when I took my NCLEX, I knew right away, <laughs> you know, when you walk yeah. out and you're like, oh, you oh. Know. yeah, yeah. Yep, absolutely. And so you guys worked in the hospital together. Is that yes. that? Yeah. Yeah. We worked in a big hospital together. We met working nights. Mm. Carly had a little one already. Um, and I did not have any children yet, which I think is maybe a little bit more uncommon for postpartum nurses. I think a lot of people find that specialty after they've experienced it on the other side mm-hmm. and then, like, oh, that's cool. I want to try that. But so I was childless there and I was trying to get pregnant with my first um, and Carly was trying to get pregnant with her second. And we kind of bonded over that and we ended up both getting pregnant and, you know, having a couple other friends that we were pregnant with too, that were working with us. And 
I don't know, we just kind of hit it off there. And <laughs> since then, we've gone our separate ways. But, um, you know, our kids play together a lot. And Carly came up with this shower thought to start fourth try um, when I was in my third trimester with my second. Uh, and I was like, okay, yeah, let's add one more thing to the plate. And we just <laughs> keep getting, we just keep getting closer and closer. But you saw a need, right? You saw a need that needed to be filled. We absolutely did. Yeah. Like, you know, everybody's pretty much on the train of taking their childbirth course, their hypnobirthing, their Bradley method, their Lamaze, whatever they're doing. They pretty much know that taking a breastfeeding course is beneficial if that's your goal. You know, the basics of newborn care, all those things are kind of getting to be more mainstream. But we couldn't find a class anywhere that would teach you how to care for your own body. After you have your baby, you know, how do you take care of your C-section incision? How much bleeding is too much bleeding? You know, what do you do with your stitches, you know, and all the mess down there? And how do you manage your pain and, and gas and bowel movements and like all the stuff nobody wants to say anything about? Yeah. Cause who cares about the moms in the U S right? Yes. Yeah. So how old are your kids? I have a five-year-old, um, Carly, and then we each have two and a half two and three quarter year old. Oh, they're almost, they're both going to be three <laughs> in December. And then I also have an 18 month old. So mine are two under two were two under two. <laughs> 18 months is one of my favorite ages. Yeah. It's also, a, I love it. It's they're hilarious, but they're also really scary because they're like climbing on things. Oh, and, yeah. oh, <laughs> she, she's taking years off my life right now. I swear. <laughs> That's where you get the gray hairs. It totally is. Yeah. And I can tell you, like, after a while, I just kind of gave up. And I was that mom in the park where the other mom be like, excuse me, your daughter's climbing up on the slide by herself. And I'd be like, yeah, yeah, she does that. I'm I'm that mom. We have one of those kitchen tower things that they can stand on to like help you cook or whatever in the Mm -hmm. kitchen. And she uses that as a tool to get up on the counter and take whatever she wants out of all the cabinets. So, you know, the minute I turn my back, I hear like cups falling and whatever. You know. and most of the time, I just look the other way. Yeah. If you don't hear crying. Oh, well. Exactly. Mm-hmm. I've become so much more nonchalant since having two under two. Yeah. Well, even after, you know, even after having the first one for a while, you hear a crash upstairs and you're just like, should you I go okay? up there or should I ignore it? Yeah, right. If you don't even cry within like a couple seconds, I feel like you're good. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, somebody's going to be like, these moms. I, don't know. <laughs> I think someone's going to be like, these moms are really down to earth and no reality. The yeah, reality there you go. That's the, vibe. That's the yeah. vibe we're looking for. Yeah. Till <laughs> made back. Yeah. Yeah. You're here today to talk to us about tandem nursing or tandem yeah. nursing. So can mm-hmm. you guys define that for anyone who might never have heard of that term? Yeah, so um, it can mean, I guess, sort of different things to different people, but basically nursing more than one baby at the same time. And so that could look like having multiple babies, like twins or triplets or something like that. And, you know, nursing those babies at the same that are the same age at the same time. Um, but it can also look like nursing a baby and a toddler who's still extended breastfeeding, which is what it looked like for me. I did it personally. And Carly and I are both, you know, lucky enough to help moms breastfeed a lot in the hospital in the early days. So we take care of a lot of moms of multiples, lots of twin moms. And when they all get to stay together and nobody goes to the NICU or anything, it's really, it's cool to help them figure out how to, how to juggle that Mm -hmm. literally. (laughs) Yeah. So you've got the personal and professional experience. Carly, you've got the professional experience too. Yep. So when you're working with like a, let's say a mom of multiples in the hospital, when do you start to try tandem feeding or latching both babies at the same time? Because some people use tandem feeding just to indicate that they're nursing, they're breastfeeding both. And then tandem feeding to other people are that they're actually putting both on the breast at the same time. And I think it can be either or. I agree with yeah. that. Yeah. I, it's, I think it kind of first depends in those early days, um, how old babies are. So if you have a, like a term baby, so like 37 weeks or greater, like a good 37 weeks, um, or greater, they are probably more awake than a baby who's like 35 or 36 weeks. So I think it's first making sure you have a baby that's awake enough to do any kind of good quality feeding obviously the twins are going to be or the triplets are going to be the same gestational age right um Mm -hmm. so you'll know they're kind of on the same page but sometimes if they're smaller 
um, they will like smaller in weight, they'll lose energy quicker. So they're going to get really, really sleepy quicker than they're like bigger, older or, you know, sister. Mm -hmm. So a lot of moms in the hospital don't right away go to feeding both babies at the same time. Cause that's really overwhelming. Maybe if they've breastfed um, older children before or breastfed another time, maybe they can start to tackle that, but feeding both babies in like a football position right away can seem really daunting. And I mm. think it's kind of get one figured out and do the next and vice versa, kind of switch it up. But I think going right away to a hundred percent from the get-go is a little ambitious and not that you can't do that. Um, but we don't recommend that right away. I think it takes a lot of extra hands. Yeah. Um, like, you know, you need somebody to latch this one, somebody to latch that one, stuff a bunch of pillows under mom, especially if she's a first time breastfeeder. Mm -hmm. um, but it is kind of cool to at least get one tandem latch yeah. before they go home from the hospital. I'll never forget the first time I walked into a room after somebody got their baby's latched at the same time. And she was like, look, I'm doing it. <laughs> and her face was just glowing. Yeah. And she was like, for the first time, I think she had this realization, like I have two babies, but I can do it. Mm -hmm. It was really cool. So I think that that's a cool moment to like give them confidence right as they're getting out the door um, and show them what it can look like. But it's definitely something to work up to. I think it, you know, it's great for convenience, you know, time wise, it takes a long time to do a full feeding of two babies if they're not doing it together, but mm -hmm. you know, it's a work in progress. Breastfeeding in general, a newborn is a work in progress. So it's something to take your time with. Right. Yeah. Sometimes even figuring out how to latch one baby yeah. is overwhelming, you know, especially because right. most, most twins are born by C-section and, and like you mentioned, like a lot of them are smaller or a little bit premature. And sometimes one, one twins in the NICU or they're both in the NICU. Yeah. I worked in the hospital for almost 10 years and that was always my goal too. Like let's at least do one tandem latching session before you go home so you can see what it's like. And then you can keep practicing at home, but it is something that they have to build up to. I do mm -hmm. think it gets a lot easier once the babies get better head control, like after those first couple of weeks. Yeah, definitely. And their hands relax a little bit because there's nothing. I mean, it's maddening to try and fight the, you know, hands in the mouth of one baby. And that requires so many extra arms. And to do that with two, you just like, you know, once that newborn curl sort of relaxes a little bit, I think it gets a little easier. Yeah. And once you get used to holding the baby, right. And not feeling like right. your baby's made of glass and that you might yeah. break them with the slightest movement. Yeah. 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 So what are the benefits? I know you mentioned that like time efficiency, right? Mm -hmm. it's, it's, it takes a lot less time when you're feeding them both at the same time. But for a mom multiples, what are other benefits of like putting them on at the same time instead of doing one baby and then the other? I think there's probably a bonding aspect to it. I mean, I can speak to, you know, even my personal experience. I didn't have twins, but, you know, the tandem feeding was a huge point of bonding for the two of them. I mean, to bond with them individually is great too, but then to also just have everybody together and, you know, them kind of skin to skin with each other in addition mm -hmm. to skin to you. I just feel like it's, it's just a really great oxytocin snuggle fest. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> it's super cute too, when they're a little bit older and they look at each other as they're yeah, like, yeah, or they grab kids. Yeah. yeah. Or they start to like talk to each other, which is yeah. cute, but you're I like, don't bite my nipple. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, I, I savor those pictures of them like twiddling with each other's mm -hmm. fingers. Yeah. Yeah. I also found when I was um, doing in hospital work that, you know, usually there was like a twin that was a better feeder than the other twin or a stronger feeder. And if you're putting them both on the same time, like the stronger feeder can stimulate more letdowns and actually help the baby that's not feeding as well get more milk which is really beneficial too yeah that's exactly what I was gonna say is the other benefit is I think sometimes if you're feeding one baby you'll feel like a letdown your leak on the other side too so you get the benefit of both breast stimulated at the same time and can increase milk supply I know with with multiple your body knows if you have more than one baby with the um, supply and demand aspect of it so if you're removing more milk your body will make more milk which is the basics. Like I know a lot of us know that, but in that way, you don't have to waste any milk or have it leak or just kind of doing it all at the same time. It all comes back to time. Honestly, I feel like with multiples, you have to get all the time back that you can. <laughs> yeah. Or try to at least. Yeah. yeah. Right. Grasp at it. Yeah. So if you, when you're helping like a mom of multiples, so they're both newborn babies, like what kind of tips do you give for tandem latching? 
football holds getting proficient in that for sure. Mm-hmm. I would say this is not related to feeding at all, but partners, like any kind of partners yeah. or support that you have, like get them ready to go. They are a very active part of it. Mm-hmm. Just not, not as much as the breastfeeding parent, but pretty close to it. Mm-hmm. Um, because if you aren't doing latching both at the same time, the other one can be burping the other or changing the diaper or getting them awake or just skin, skin to skin snuggling. There's mm-hmm. a million things they can do with the other one. If you're not feeding, um, and getting you set up with pillows and stuff, like you mentioned, if you're having a hospital birth, they probably don't have enough pillows for what you need <laughs> to run to the car, to grab like any pillow. You can even use like a pregnancy pillow, like in some kind of snake format mm-hmm. <laughs> to, um, you know, prop both babies up. There are twin boppies too. True, true. There are. Yeah. yeah. Some of them I find super helpful for families and others are just kind of ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I think, and with partners seeing if, you know, they can do a lot of the education ahead of time with you too. So they kind of know, so they're not, it's not as much of a learning curve for both of you when you're in the moment. Like there is stuff they can know, like change a diaper on a teddy bear or, you know, all of just the basics of baby Mm -hmm. stuff, you can kind of prepare for that Mm -hmm. ahead of time. Yeah. And I know there's a lot of good like YouTube videos too, that show where moms are demonstrating their setup where typically it's some form of like, they're seated on the couch and one baby's in a boppy on one side and one baby's in the boppy on the other side. And you get really good at doing the one-handed scoop Mm -hmm. of picking your baby up. I always found too, it was helpful that if there was like a baby that latched easier, to put them on first first yeah and then they will tend to stay on better while you're putting the second baby on versus mm-hmm. if you're putting the baby who's not latching as well in my experience they tend to like fall off the breast when you're trying to put the other baby on right you move like a half an inch and that nipple moves in there yeah. <laughs> not happy with it anymore yeah 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 I feel like I would think honestly like oh I get the harder one out of the way first but that yeah you're right in that way like get the yeah. one you know is more consistent on and then worry about the other one. I guess it could work that way too, because then you'd have two hands, right? To latch. If you're putting the baby who doesn't latch as well, that gives you two hands to latch them on. And then you only have, if you have to like hold the baby in place or whatever. Yeah. So just like with anything, I lot of confidence. Yes, that's very true. Yep. And especially if they're a first time parent, they're probably not going to feel that confident. So a lot of cheerleading. Yeah, for sure. Oh, there's so much cheerleading in general and postpartum nurses, but I think especially with multiples. Mm-hmm. So can you tell us about your experience? Tan- so you, you didn't, you didn't have multiples. So you were nursing a toddler and a baby. Yes. Okay. Can you explain like a little bit about what led you to decide to tandem feed your children? Yeah. yeah so um, my girls are 16 months apart. So I got pregnant when the older one was about eight months old. And I never had any real goal to tandem nurse them. Mm-hmm. Um, my only goal surrounding breastfeeding was, and I don't even really have a good reason for it. I just had an arbitrary one year goal because that's what I wanted. And it didn't occur to me when I got pregnant that my supply was going to tank immediately. It's just not, you know, we always said we were going to have our babies close together. It was, you know, pretty intentional to have them 16 months apart but that never once crossed my mind. So when I um, got pregnant and immediately lost my supply and it never came back, I was an oversupplier. So I went from being an oversupplier to pumping a half an ounce total for, you know, my whole session when I was at work. Um, I only pumped at work, but um, I felt so guilt ridden over, Mm. you know, taking that away from her and thinking, oh my gosh, what if we don't make it to a year now? Because I wanted to give her a sibling. And I just, I wrestled with that for so long. Carly was generous enough to donate us milk in the process because she was, yeah. So that was, that was a beautiful little kind of extra part of that journey. Yeah. We used to have friends who lacked tea. (laughs) Oh, for sure. Mom's that exclusive pump too with food allergies. Food allergies. It wasn't leftover, but it kind of was. was, It was, that's a whole story. Yeah. Um, But so we ended up making it, I, you know, I was just like, I was adding extra pumps in. It hurt so bad, but we made it to a year. And then when she was 16 months old or almost 16 months old, 
I was like, well, she's not weaned yet. And I guess we're going to have a baby soon. So I really wanted to wean her gently, if at all. And we just kind of never got there. (laughs) And I think it was mostly because I just felt so guilty taking more away from her. And she was still kind of nursing for comfort. So I just didn't want to just pull the plug on her. So we were just approaching due date. And I was like, well, I guess we're going to do this. And one of the lactation consultants that we worked with at the hospital had tandem fed her daughters like maybe 15, 20 years prior. And I didn't know anybody else that tandem fed. I'd never seen anybody tandem feed, especially with an almost two-year-old. I'd never seen anybody breastfeed a two-year-old period. Mm. And everybody that I had talked to, like our pediatrician and another lactation consultant that I had taken, you know, like education classes with, everybody said, you got to make sure you prioritize the newborn. Make sure the newborn gets enough milk first, let the toddler have, you know, whatever else after. And I just couldn't imagine how that was going to play out in reality with a 16 month old who can't even understand what I'm doing or that she has a sibling. You know, it's not like she's three. Mm -hmm. I can't rationalize with her. So I asked this one lactation consultant who had tandem fed before, how do you do this? What do you, what do you do? And she goes, well, you just do it. And that was her only advice to me. But that's the only thing you just do it. That's the only thing that stuck with me because truly when I did bring her home, that's what it was. It was not hold on, sweetheart. I have to latch the baby. That makes no sense to her. It was, let me get the baby on and then get her up on the couch. And she goes right on the other side. And I was lucky enough to have that kind of propensity towards oversupply. So I wasn't super worried about her, you know, like taking too much or anything. She loved that flow. <laughs> that she got back all of a sudden. Um, she got real chunky, real fast. Mm-hmm. Um, and she loved it. And I just, you know, it sort of felt like redemption to me because I was able to give her everything and more that she lost, quote unquote, lost in those last couple months of her first year. And simultaneously give her a chance to bond with her sister. She was never jealous of her because she was never left out of the equation. Mm -hmm. I used to have really strong letdowns with my oversupply that would choke the newborn a lot. So she was a really big helper and she knew she was my helper. She would say, mom, I help. And she would take, she would take the letdown. (laughs) Yeah. She would take the letdown. Taking it for the team. (laughs) She would literally be like, I got it. She would take that letdown and then I could put the baby on and she would nurse so much more comfortably. And it was just, yeah, I mean, we're still going. So, uh, yeah. yeah. I want to backtrack a little bit to the, to what you had said about your supply dropping. Can you guys explain that? Like, this is a question that I get quite a bit. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I just found out I'm pregnant. My baby's six, seven, eight months old. Like, what do I do? So can you explain like what happens to your supply? I don't think this happens to everybody necessarily. Um, maybe initially. But there's hormones that support a pregnancy and there's hormones that support lactation and they kind of butt heads a little bit. Mm -hmm. And your body is, of course, going to prioritize your growing pregnancy more than it's going to prioritize your lactation. So that supply can dip initially. And a lot of people told me and a lot of people that I know experience it will say, you know, oh, about 12 weeks, it starts to come back up again. You know, that can be true for some people as, you know, the around 12 weeks, you know, the placenta starts to take over more of the hormone um, production. And so a lot of, you know, that's when morning sickness tends to go away too. Um, And sometimes supply can go back up and your body can kind of handle both, but mine wasn't cool with that and it stayed low. Yeah. And does the milk go like revert, revert back to colostrum? Um, I never saw... I never saw like the yellow liquid gold again, Mm -hmm. Um, but you know, your body does know that there is a baby coming. So Mm -hmm. nutrient wise, um, I would say yes. Yeah. But yeah. And I didn't really have that, like, oh, my milk's coming in thing happen again. It was kind of there. Mm -hmm. I know I, in my experience, my first two were almost exactly um, two years apart and I think my milk definitely, you know, I'm pretty, my milk definitely reverted back to colostrum because she started to complain about the taste. Like, ugh, yeah. Oh, <laughs> really? so, yeah. Yeah. So I had gone into the pregnancy with the intention of tandem feeding. Like I was not ready to wean my daughter and she ended up self weaning because she was like, wow. Wow. <laughs> and I was so sad. Wow. And, and like, people say that about press, um, pregnancy, um, breast milk changing 
too. Yeah. I guess that's true for colostrum as well. Yeah. So I think the colostrum tastes like saltier. So oh, I think that's what had happened. Like I, I reverted back to colostrum and she was like, yuck, no, thank you. I never had any like nipple soreness or anything. So I didn't have to deal with that. And then I remember the first time she was just like, I was like, do you want Nana's? We called it Nana's in my house. And she's like, nah. And I'm like, what? <laughs> I was like, wait, are you oh, sure? Are you sure now? And she's like, yeah, I don't want, are you sure? She's like, Oh, that would have messed with my postpartum hormones so bad. (laughs) So sad. Because as you know, like, it becomes kind of like a parenting tool too, right? It's like the solution to everything. They bump and hit their head, put the boob in their mouth. They, you know, especially with my daughter, like if she would, if she would kind of like gear up for a temper tantrum, (laughs) just like shut the boob in her mouth and that settles right down. Yeah. (laughs) Uh-huh. For the first time she had a temper tantrum after she self-weaned, I was like, I don't know what to do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I dread that day. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think, did you end up having to supplement with formula? I did not. Was your baby eating like a lot of solid foods at that point too? Yes. Yeah. Oh, she was a great eater from the start. And then I worked in the hospital just a couple of days a week. And so I only ever pumped and bottle fed her express milk. Then she was just direct at the breast and eating a lot, you know, three meals and two snacks at home. And whenever we didn't have enough while I was gone, we used Carly's. <laughs> you were down to the wire. I remember we you really were, like were a couple yeah. ounces left, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. And then we did start um, some whole milk cow's milk with her around 11 months just to get us there. We, we limped it along. We were running on fumes, mm-hmm. <laughs> but you know, the goal was never to like you know, never have anything else, you know, I would have supplemented if I needed to, right? Um, you know, if Carly didn't have that, that milk for us, which was a huge blessing. But I really just wanted to say I'm breastfeeding at one year old. And mm-hmm. I was, and I am. It was important to you. Yeah. Were you still pumping at that point, Carly? I was, yeah, mm-hmm. right. I'm yeah. trying to think like, well, time. you were rebuilding your stash. Oh, yeah, this is a good story. Um, <laughs> I, was moving we had the new owners of the house come to do some inspection and I had all my milk in the deep freezer you know where this is going um I had an alarm on it inside they didn't I didn't have a bluetooth one it was just like an alarm close by inside I had it set to parameters and it didn't go off um and it was unplugged and I noticed it like five days later though it wasn't like a day. It was like five days later. And I remember it so vividly, like, like someone had passed away. Like it yeah. was so, oh, no. it was like, crunchy. I like fell to the floor and cried. And oh. oh, it was so, there was so much milk I can share with you later if you want to um, cry with me. Um, <laughs> but then I was like, oh, okay, I'm going to make a milk bath for you guys. And my um, then three-year-old at the time was like, this is disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> horrible <laughs> it really yeah. was disgusting it smelled very bad so um but there were some that I could save but I was still like I don't know it's all around gross milk and there's all this other milk in there um so yeah but you got it before the yes. freezer but we were it was okay I was down to I was exclusively pumping not by choice I guess kind of by pandemic is what I say I was pumping exclusive pumping by pandemic because I couldn't really get a lot of help that I felt like we both needed mm-hmm. so I needed I was down to like three pumps a day and then I had to go back up sadly to more pumps and we made it you know for a while like, for like 15 months yeah right? we made it wow. a long time long, it wasn't that wasn't I don't know I think it was having an older sibling I felt like I needed to give him the same amount of time but it's also something that I like on paper, I'm proud of it. But in my mind, I'm not because I felt like I sacrificed so much to get there. Like, I wish I would have maybe called it a little earlier than I did um, with pumping him for him so long. I think that's a huge lesson just to like drive home in general, yeah. like, tandem feeding, exclusive pumping, like whatever your milk lactating choices are, that they should not be the choices at the expense of yourself yeah. you know it has to be a mutually agreed on relationship by mm-hmm. the baby and or ch- you know child and you like for me my tandem journey helped me it made my life easier it made two under two better it made it enjoyable for me and that was a that was a good decision 
but you know, maybe limping us to a year was um, less of a good decision because that really weighed on my mental health kind of the same way right. that you pumped for so much longer than you yeah. maybe yeah. wanted to. And then it was like around the time of COVID and like vaccines. And I was like, oh, okay, maybe, you know, we can get some antibodies and stuff. And I just, I don't know, it's, I didn't need to extend it as long as I felt like I did at the expense of so much of myself, you know? Yeah. And that is one point that I really drive home to the families I work with is, you know, I'm a lactation consultant. So of course I'm breastfeeding friendly, but I'm not in this for the the breastfeeding. I'm in this for the parents. Right. Uh And I have seen way too many parents like pump themselves into postpartum depression and put breastfeeding or breast milk above everything else, including their own mental health. Because if if the parent's not able to function, what good is the breast milk? Yeah, fair. Absolutely. And at the end of the day, as long as your baby's growing and you're happy feeding them, it can look like however you want it to look like. Right. But sometimes we put a lot of pressure on ourselves. And I see that also when the formula shortage happened, it's kind of still happening. But, you know, all these parents who were not even really intending to breastfeed, put pressure on themselves to breastfeed or breastfeed longer than they originally wanted to. Or even, you know, if their supply was low, they're like mentally killing themselves trying to bring it up because they're so afraid of like switching over to formula and running out of formula. And the toll it takes on your mental health. is just, it's just astounding. It's insane. You're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't right now. There's like, there's no good choice, but I also wish that people knew that IBCLCs are really just here to help you, you know, feed your baby. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they can be as just as helpful with a pace bottle feeding as they can be with helping you latch your baby. So like, right. you know, just because you decided to formula feed doesn't mean you've like omitted this whole area of support for yourself. Either. Right. Exactly. I, I probably work with like two or three formula feeding families a month, mostly on bottle feeding skills. Yeah, that's awesome. And almost all of them say, well, like I didn't, it never occurred to me to go see a lactation consultant. And I think part of that is there are a lot of like a-hole lactation consultants <laughs> that do yeah. Yeah, like put like breast milk above everything else. And that's how mm-hmm. we kind of earn the reputation that we see represented in media movies. Like whenever there's a lactation consultant in the, sh- in the TV show or movie, you know, it's never a good thing. Right. right? <laughs> <laughs> They're always like yeah. a little bit crazy. Yes. Yes. We've worked with um, a couple of parents lately too, um, with fourth trimester foundations that work that have been struggling with supply and like, do I switch to formula? What formula do I switch to the whole debacle? Um, and it never once occurring to them that you don't have to pick one. Yes. You know, like you can have a beautiful breastfeeding relationship 50% of the time or more, you know, 70% of the time and also bottle feed and, not, you know, you don't have to be the sole provider of nutrition, but you don't have to give away this relationship either. Right. And I think it's like, ding, light bulb. Yeah. That a lot of people just don't ever consider that adding one doesn't mean taking, you know, getting rid of the other one. Yeah. I think we it's our it culture. Up, right. I think we set it up to fail. Like literally, it's just an example at the hospital. <clears throat> And, you know, a baby is born, they call over to the nursery and the person is going to put them into the computer. And literally we yell over this loudspeaker, like breast or bottle, like literally (laughs) from the beginning, like within minutes of their baby being born, they are being yelled through like this loudspeaker breast or bottle. And you have to like pick right. It's like, I I never really realized, thought about it until now, how messed up that kind of is. Totally. Like you just have to pick right there and then, and that's, I mean, obviously you don't have to stick with that, but it's just, especially with the multiple moms too, you know working on tandem feeding twins, you know, going full circle here. Like, you know, you don't have to decide that it's going to be one or the other. You can work on your tandem feeding relationship. And as it's a work in progress and as you're practicing, you can supplement if you need to. And newborn twins tend to be little and sometimes need help with their blood sugar regulation and all these kinds of things. So we can supplement and we can, we can do both. Right. 100%. Um, and I know at the the hospital you used to work at, we had just, you know, breast bottle or undecided, but I feel like people would get really confused because they would say, well, I plan on breastfeeding, but I also plan on pumping and giving bottles. So what do I choose? And it would lead to like a lot of confusion on the parents end because they'd say, well, both, you know, and, yeah. and sometimes I'd be like, well, when we say bottle, do you mean formula or do you mean breast milk or do you mean both? Like I said, can be combination of everything. And I think a lot of it has to do that we live in a very much of a hustle culture and an all in or all out culture. So like you said, it doesn't occur to families like, 
oh, I can do both. I don't have to choose one over the other. Yeah, for sure. So one of the issues that you mentioned you were facing was sore nipples because of your pregnancy. Yeah. Oh my gosh. (laughs) That was terrible. Yeah. Was there anything that you, I know it's like, there's not really that much you can do about that, but was there anything that you found even slightly helpful? Um, I kind of went back to, you know, like when you have, when you're extended breastfeeding an older baby slash toddler, I feel like you kind of just let them go on themselves because they're pretty independent. You just kind of like give them access and they go. Mm -hmm. But when I really had that soreness, I actually kind of went back to the basics of like breast shaping and trying to get her a deep latch Mm -hmm. and like being really intentional. And I would, if this is not your thing sorry but I would turn on the tv and um have her kind of like zone in on we watched Moana on repeat I think my (laughs) younger daughter heard Moana in the womb more than she heard my voice (laughs) she still knows the songs and she's never seen the movie start um yeah she does (laughs) um but I would kind of like get her to sit still so she wouldn't like nip lash me and um just kind of sit next to me and I would really be intentional about the latch and when I noticed that she was like not actually pulling milk anymore and just kind of suckling I would very intentionally say okay we're all done now and I would unlatch her so that we wouldn't stay there any longer than necessary I went back to using the nipple cream that I used Mm -hmm. um when I you know when she was a newborn I was very intentional about like the clothes I wore. I would air out my nipples in between. Mm. Um, I, I basically went back to newborn breastfeeding just to be like really tender with them. Yeah. Yeah, mm. that's true. Because once they hit like four to six months, the latch just goes down the tree. Yeah. <laughs> like, older babies, their latch is usually pretty crappy. But yeah. by then and they you're like. Callous, so you don't care. Yeah. It's like, okay, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So that can be really hard, that nipple soreness. And I I know a lot of parents will actually develop like breastfeeding aversion. Oh, I definitely did. Yeah, I definitely did. There was a point towards the end when I would wince and I stopped getting letdowns. And I think part of that was just the lack of supply, but I think I lost the letdowns earlier than I might have otherwise, just because of my like mental block with it. Mm -hmm. And I would just kind of stare off into the distance and wait for her to be done. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would like totally dissociate from it. And, um, it was definitely not that healthy, but mm-hmm. I just really wanted to make it. Mm-hmm. And then after your second arrived, what, how did it change for you? It was bliss again, because it instantly stopped being painful. Like the minute, the minute the little one came out and right on my chest, like during that golden hour, that first latched, I looked up at my husband. And I was like, it doesn't hurt. <laughs> And it was, it was great. And so once we got over the um, kind of oversupply issue and the baby choked a lot in the hospital, had a lot of spit up, Carly was my nurse and she <laughs> held her upright, like all night long. <laughs> she flew out a, and right. She, yeah. yeah. Well, she's blazing, I feel like. Yes. And then, yeah. She we had, had a few dusky episodes in the hospital because she just like was so overwhelmed with fluid. <laughs> Um, But other than that, when I got home, there's a video I have of walking in the door um, and I had the baby on like a lounger in the playroom and the toddler came up and she glanced at her. She just looked at her for like a split second and then she crawled up on the couch next to me and signed milk in sign Mm -hmm. language and that I just latched them both right then and there and that we were off to the races. Did you feel like it helped with them bonding? 100%. Yeah. Yeah. I never had the like, you know, everybody suggested like, oh, get a breastfeeding basket. So like, you know, the toddler can play with special toys while the baby nurses. I did that. I never touched it. We Mm -hmm. didn't need it. Mm -hmm. You know, they would just, they would play with each other's fingers. She would get to kind of like, look at her baby sister up close and examine her without Mm -hmm. like, having to look over the crib or anything like that. She just kind of got to like, take her all in. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, as the baby got more alert, I could see her eyes go from looking up at me to gazing over at her sister. Now that they're almost three and 18 months, they still will tandem latch like once a day, mm-hmm. well, every other day sometimes. Um, and it's still like the only time that we're like calm and all together. And they still play with each other's fingers or they'll play with each other's hair. <laughs> and it's it's just the most special relationship. I wouldn't change it for anything. And in some cultures, that's like a sacred relationship, like milk siblings and 
like that. Yeah. yeah. I have a, I have a bag of pumped milk from when, you know, when they still are, but um, from feeding them both that I plan to make into a keepsake. Mm-hmm. So I have like both, both of their milks together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I remember with my first one, when, when my second was finally born, the one who had self-weaned during pregnancy, she was watching her sister breastfeed and she's like, can I have some? And I was like, sure. So she climbed up in my lap and then she just, she realized she forgot how, like she tried, Aww. but she was like, I don't remember. And she laughed hysterically and then went on her merry way. And she never asked again. <laughs> I was like so excited. Cause I was like, oh, she wants to nurse again. But she's like, I don't remember how, but I think she just wanted to know that I would say yes. Like, I don't think she was that interested, yeah. but I think that she wanted to be reassured that she would have the option if she mm-hmm. wanted to. Yeah. Oh, I that's definitely think it would help with like sibling rivalry. <laughs> yeah. Oh, these kids. <laughs> a lot of parents will tell me that they um, have heard that it's not safe to breastfeed when pregnant. Can you guys speak to that? I think that's probably very individual. Yeah, I think I think a lot of people it might speak to it towards the end of pregnancy, maybe like a later early onset of labor or anything with the um, contractions that might coincide. Because I know you had. I had a lot of Braxton Hicks contractions, I think, because of the nipple stimulation. And I guess if you have any sort of risk factor leaning towards preterm labor, then that would be definitely a discussion to have with your provider. I also didn't really, I used a midwife practice. I did not use an OB. Um, and I stand by that decision firmly. And I kind of didn't, I don't think I really ever asked permission. I just kind mm-hmm. of said, I'm still nursing the baby, the, you know, the toddler. And it was just kind of a, oh, okay. And I think maybe it would have been a discussion if, if I had some sort of, you know, risk factor, but I didn't. So it just didn't really come up. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I usually tell families too. Like as long as you don't have any risk factors or you're not a high risk pregnancy, it's it's safe pretty much. Yeah. yeah. There's mm-hmm. also great benefit to harvesting colostrum in those last couple of weeks of pregnancy mm-hmm. too. The same nipple stimulation really. So yeah. Yeah. Especially if you have like a history of low milk supply or something that can help yeah. just up with your second baby or big baby. Yeah, I did that yeah. because I anticipated big babies. Yeah. Did you have big babies? The first was 812, which for her gestational age was 20 grams below the threshold for be con- being considered LGA, large mm-hmm. for gestational age. So she was not on like the hospital blood sugar protocol because she just was shy of it. Um, but I was acutely aware of watching for signs of low blood sugar in her. And, you know, statistically, they say the babies get bigger as you have more. My second one actually went almost two weeks further in gestation and was smaller. She was eight, four. Um, so I did not need that, but I did bring syringes to the hospital just in case. Mm-hmm. And what is one final like tip or advice that you'd give to parents who are tandem feeding or are considering tandem feeding either multiples or, you know, a toddler and a baby? The advice that that lactation consultant gave me was really just the best advice I have. You just do it. You yes. know, it's just it's gonna, it's gonna look different for everybody you're going to figure out very quickly how it's going to work for you. It's going to depend on how far apart your babies are and what degree of, you know, independence or reasoning you have with the older one, if they're two different ages and even with twins, if they're not, you know, you'll just, you'll find a groove, you'll find a pattern that works for you. Just don't be so hard on yourself that you need to figure it out on day one or day 10 even or whatever you know just let it be fluid and listen to your instinct because it's there and you'll you'll find the you know what works for you yeah that's good I was gonna say exactly that oh good (laughs) I mean based on maybe it's just because I've heard you say it so well so many times but I think this is with not even just multiples or tandem feeding just what worked for your best friend who you are similar and can relate to in every other level, maybe what, how they fed their babies or her parenting style, like, isn't what's going to work for you at all. So like what another person who has kids the same age apart and likes the same, you know, drinks the same coffee order and like (laughs) has everything that's the same, but that might not work for you. Or maybe you don't have, you know, maybe you have more or less support than they do in terms of other hands around, like, there's no way to quantify it or to 
write a manual or to do anything like that. Mm. So just kind of expect it to be a little bit of chaos, like all postpartum, um, expect it to be chaos. And then you'll be surprised when, you know, you find your groove and it's yeah. not going to be what you think it is. Um, you're going to find your groove, like when you think you're at your breaking point and then finally it'll kind of settle in. You're like, okay, I can do this. Like we love seeing moms get into that place. Like, I think I'm in the groove of parenthood. Like, I think I can do this. We love when they get into that place. It's really, really cool. Just lean in. Yeah. Love it. I'm going to get that tattooed on me. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. (laughs) Your knuckles or something. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I think it's important too for families to know that like they can change their minds, right? Like if they go in thinking I'm going to tune a few, but they can't tolerate the nipple soreness. So they end up with breastfeeding aversion. It's okay to say, you know what? I don't think I want to do this anymore. Yeah, totally. So where can families find you if they want to connect with you and find out more about your program? We are on Instagram. We're active on there. You can see all of our lives on there. Um, We are, so that's at fourth try foundations. Um, we are online. Um, we have all of our courses our two courses and one-on-one calls. So we offer a taking back your fourth trimester workshop, um, that we talked, that's what we referenced in the beginning, everything about, um, the birthing person and how their recovery, what's going to look like in about the first week or so. Um, we also have a really basic, um, newborn care class because there is a lot of newborn cl- uh, class content out there, which we love, but we want to just keep it really simple and basic and the bare minimum is what it's called. The bare minimum stuff you need for a baby, bare minimum baby. Um, we also do one-on-one calls. So on any of those, you can book on our website, link to their Instagram. And um, I don't know, we're dabbling in the TikTok thing. I don't know. <laughs> I just don't know if I have it in me anymore. I'm too old. Yeah. It's just, I like get it in a groove and I'm like, oh, never mind. I just think these girls are just yeah. too cool for me. But you guys make reels, right? We do. Oh yeah, I know. We yeah. can cross post, right? Yeah, that's all. That's all I do is I upload my. <laughs> I know. I know. But there's so many. There's so many like social media platforms, and there's only so much that you can do. <laughs> right. Yes. Right. Yeah. Exactly. So yeah. yeah, we're we're around. We love to talk and answer questions and yeah. like give you real answers, not just mm-hmm. like you know book a call and see like we, we'll answer you, but you know we mm-hmm. won't give it all away for free, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So I will put those links in the show notes so people can connect with you. Awesome. Yay. Thanks, Shelly. Hey, it was really nice talking with you guys. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for joining us this week on the Baby Pro Podcast. Make sure to visit our website, ShellyTaftIBCLC.com, where you can check out more options for support through pregnancy and beyond, including the Baby Pro Bistro, our parenting community. You can also follow us on social media at ShellyTaftIBCLC on Instagram. If you love the show, please leave us a rating or review on iTunes to help our episodes reach more parents like you. Thanks for listening.